You know what that sound means. Welcome to the Fantasy Forum. I'm Ryan Smith, joined by my guys as always, Jacob Chesnick and Noah Hensley. And today we're going to dive right in. Let's get it. Today we're going to be talking running backs. And to start, I figured we're going to dive right into rookie backs. We're going to start with the one and only Clyde Edwards. General manager Brett Veach said that Damien will remain the starter, but says Clyde will have to compete for playing time. Do you buy into that, or do you think there's any chance that Clyde could start week one? I think things could change training camp, especially, obviously, if Damien were to go down with an injury, which isn't out of the realm of possibility with Damien's track record with injuries. But I think to start the season, especially with training camp uh, inevitably being cut short, that Clyde might not have as much time to – Get new, like get new with the offense, especially and, with the virus. Yeah, I know that's what I mean. With the virus, he's not gonna have as much time as he normally would. They're not gonna have OTAs. So Damian is a reliable guy. He wasn't around much last season, but both of the past two postseasons, he's been a great asset. And I think heading into Week One, we will see Damian Williams get more touches. But I definitely think. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is the type of guy that second half of the season, he could be the type of guy that could win you a league if you were able to acquire him for the decent price. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I mean, he just fits offense too well. Yeah, I mean, his junior year of college, which, is, which was his last year, he had 453 yards receiving on 55 receptions. I mean, that's just that's Casey's MO right there. It's just too good of an option to pass up. So I'm sure you've heard the Brian Westbrook comparison. I have. In fact, he's a better version. Reed, yes. Yeah, I heard that too. So that being said, I think we can all agree that the ceiling of uh, Clyde Edwards is out, like out of this world. <laughs> yes, Clyde Edwards. Oh, his name slipped my mind. <laughs> I think we can all agree that Clyde Edwards, when he steps in, strongly has a chance to take over the role and be better at the role, would you say, than Damian Williams was? I For would sure. 100% agree with that. Damian Williams – when he gets 15-plus touches is a guy that you want to start in your lineup, and especially with Clyde Edwards' receiving work and the fact that they believe him to be better. Andy Reid's not going to take a guy a running back in the first round unless he sees him as a being a and vital role of the offense. So I definitely think he's a guy that could – maybe not this season, but in future seasons if like I could see him being top running back potentially. So are you comfortable with his ADP? Second round middle. As a matter of fact, I am no way in hell touching him at his ADP. I would never take Clyde Edwards in, in the second round, and I don't even know if I would touch him in the third round. Wow. Really? You don't think his upside is worth it? I just think that dealing with Damian Williams in the backfield, sure, like I said, I could see him overcoming it at the end of the season and being a huge stud, but I'm not taking a guy in the second or third round that I have to wait half the season for him to be a great success. If anything – I'll let someone else draft him, and then first half of the season when he doesn't pan out to be what he fully is, I'll trade for him at a lower price, get him, and then hopefully by the end of the season he gets a better value because I just think he, at his second, third range value of ADP, will not put out the production with the amount of touches he'll get. That's fair. Are you comfortable with his ADP now? Would you draft him second mid? I kind of agree with Jacob. I think that's a little bit too early just considering the fact that Damian Williams is still there. But, I mean, the upside is there, like – like you've been saying, so I'm maybe not as low on, low on him as Jacob is, but that's definitely too high though. So the second round. If we're talking about his upside, let me read you this stat I found thanks to Mike Clay. So let's assume that 
Clyde Edwards does step into the role, and he gets it. Damian Williams, when he was in that role, when he played at least 49% of the snaps in 16 games since 2018 with the Chiefs, including the playoffs, his stats during those weeks, 213 carries, 1,020 yards, 14 touchdowns, 65 catches for 514 yards, and 7 touchdowns on 85 targets. Now, that being said, if you were to do that throughout, say, a full season, but that was a thing, we never saw it, he would have scored 340.4 fantasy points, second to Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> now, I don't know what that says about that role, the Chiefs running back, but man, that upside could be scary. I definitely think that potential upside is there. I just think with Damian Williams, and maybe, uh, were you saying more for the Chiefs running back role or Damian Williams? Or like what, what were you saying? Is that, ja- that just for the- Not to take credit from Damian Williams, but to just show what, what the, somebody can do when they thrive in that role. Here. And like we said, we believe Edwards could be a better version in that role than Damian is. I definitely think that type of role is his ceiling. Now, do I think that that's his ceiling for his rookie year? I don't think so. That, that though, I think I did see that statistic. And that's, for me, that's too much loosey-goosey math just because a lot of that that's includes his Damian Williams postseason. And the past two years in the postseason, he's been on a, like a tear where he does much better than he does in regular season. Coming from a guy that had Damian Williams on my fantasy team last year, I was happy that I started him 20% of the time. He's, he, like, he, was, he was there and he wasn't there. Whether it was his injury or the Chiefs, Andy Reid wanting to give more touches to the next guy, I don't know. It's just shaky. Until, like, I think I'll be a lot higher on Clyde Edwards going into next year than I will the, this year. That's fair. I'll, which is funny to say, just because if Clyde Edwards was was at an affordable price in my eyes in fourth or fifth round, I would be talking the hell up out of him. I'd be his biggest hype train guy. I'd be saying this and that about him. But it's just at the price that he's at right now that I see him almost like not not a fan of him whatsoever, just because I don't like that price. Well, the upside is certainly there. Veach called him a franchise running back and a true playmaker. So. Obviously, they have big plans for him in the future. But we'll move on to our next rookie, Jonathan Taylor. The Colts traded up in the second round to draft him. And the organization says they view him and Mac as a two-headed monster. Do you see that becoming a reality? Or do you see one taking the reins? Personally, I've heard the the term two-headed monster, one-two punch, uh, lightning and thunder, whatever you will call it. I've heard that out of so many teams' camps. And yes, teams do implement that, but I also see in terms of fantasy, one of the backs definitely being the superior being. And I don't think that it's just going to be an even split between the two. I think they're going to find out who works better in certain schemes and you could see one of them pulling away. I think to start the season, max floor is a lot higher than uh, Taylor's, but I think that like Clyde Edwards, that all of these rookie backs, including Taylor could be that guy that towards the back half of the season starts to take over that lead role and you see him being uh, the the one of that one-two punch and ca- commanding a lot of those. Yeah, uh, I hear you there, but I think it'll be more towards the middle of the season, if anything, rather than the back half with Taylor snatching the reins. I mean, Mac is yet to play a full season, I think. That is correct. It, he's just going to – if that happens again, 
maybe if it's early on, they see what Jonathan Taylor can do. They're going to give him that starting job, and there's no way Marlon Mack gets anything anything back from it. I agree with that. And again, they did trade up to get him. That's certainly uh, important. Says something. Yeah. But in college, just as a reminder of how good Taylor can truly be, he ran for 2,003 yards and 21 touchdowns in 2019. And he has 12 career games with 200 yards or more, That's just which insane. is tied for the most in FBS history. Well, like I, like I like to say, stats don't lie, and those are some hella crazy stats. Just out of curiosity, do you know who the most um, – I don't at the top of most my head. Rushing yards in FBS yeah. history? Most games with 200 plus oh, yards. Stats. I thought Melvin Gordon. Wow, that is a whopping that. stats. That's crazy. We will look that up in a minute. But fantasy relevance, his ADP right now I saw was somewhere around – I've seen it honestly a big range. I saw 10. And running back way, 10? No, running back round 10, excuse me. Oh, okay. Which, But I've also seen him getting taken early in mock drafts as the third round. So as far as we are in May, his ADP is not certain by any means. Where do you That's see your, where do you range. see him landing? And where do you see yourself willing to either reach for him or where are you comfortable settling for him? Now, as for ADP, I would say I think he'll end up landing as a consensus among a bunch of different sites. It'll probably be around the range of 60s maybe 50s i think that's be around where he's at now i don't know about everyone else's leagues but i'm sure there's going to be one guy in everyone's football league that's going to take a stab at him probably earlier than his draft uh, adp and i will not be that guy and i don't even think i would be that guy that would take him unless i could get him in after the sixth round i think what worries me is certainly if Mac gets hurt, the reins are handed over. But if they truly are this two-headed monster, and they have Naeem Hines, a great third-down back. I was going to say, they're not much about two The more. volume for Jonathan Taylor is questionable. So that, would, I would say, is my only concern. Where would you feel comfortable drafting him, Noah? i got to say, Jacob uh, it was pretty much fine with the 50s and 60s. Uh, even that is probably more of a reach. I, I would say 70s or 80s, just because Naeem Hines is still there, even if Marlon Mack does go down. Yeah, I mean, Naheem Hines, is, well, he's more of a pass-catching back anyway, but I still, you just can't take that risk. Let's say you find yourself in the sixth, fifth, sixth round. You already have two stud running backs. You don't like any of the receivers there. You feel like the tier has changed. Would you take a shot at Taylor? Yeah, I'm more than comfortable doing that if that's the case, but that's only if you have two solid backs already, you know what I mean? I, when I draft... Uh, per, I'm I'm personally a value type of guy. So if I genuinely believe that the wide receiver position is completely depleted, maybe I take a stab at him. The only thing is, is if I've got two stud running backs, then I have to imagine that come this round that my wide receiver room is kind of like empty. Mm, yeah. So I think I can't see in that range not being able to like a wide receiver more over Taylor. So I don't think I would end up with him. That's fair. Well, we will see what happens in Indy for sure. But someone that looks more as if they have a clear path to the starting role is Cam Akers out of Florida State, drafted by the Rams, by the Los Angeles Rams. And the only competition he really has is maybe split touches with Malcolm Brown. 
You don't think Daryl Henderson is there's speaks that Daryl Henderson will take away work too, but I've heard starting role is between Akers and Malcolm Brown. Really? And the Rams did I think that's good news. The Rams did pick Akers with their first pick in the draft. Have to replace Gurley for sure. His ADP is around like I said, he's going much later than um Clyde. I think he's a little behind Taylor. Would you be more willing to take a stab on Taylor or Akers? I think I'd rather take Taylor for sure. And I even have DeAndre Swift going before him on my rankings. I think <clears throat> just that another kind of running back by committee situation there. You have Malcolm Brown, who's kind of proven himself as as last year was Gurley's pretty much replacement when he wasn't there. Daryl Henderson barely got any carries, and as you said, they're kind of phasing him out, it seems like, but he's just not really high up there for me. I think I would be, like, in a situation, I'm not saying his ranking is higher than either of the two, but I see myself more likely in taking Akers than Swift or Taylor solely for the fact that I think Akers' ADP from what I've seen and what I think it will be, I think Akers' ADP will be more affordable clearly than uh, Taylor or Swift. And I also, I'm just, I like the, I still like the Rams offense, even with the loss of Todd Gurley and uh, Cooks. I still believe in Sean McVay and Malcolm Brown, as we've seen, has still never been that guy to lead a backfield. Even when Gurley missed a game or two here or there, or whatever, even when who's ever he's back and I missed a game, he's still not that guy that's going to command like a whole, uh, 14 plus carries on a on a day, like a weekly basis. Daryl Henderson was shocking last year because the thought going in with Todd Gurley was that okay, he was going to be the guy that was going to compliment Gurley. He was going to have a lot of value. Say this happened with him, and he had some big plays. He had some nice gashes, but ultimately we didn't see that much work out of Henderson. And in fact, Malcolm Brown got more touches than he did. And I don't think Malcolm Brown's going to take the role. So I think that Akers has a good shot to be that guy. Todd Gurley was still top 10 in uh, running back touchdowns and he's going to get, uh, I don't, I don't know. Honestly, I'm not sure how the receiving work is going to pan out, but I think we'll be considerable receiving. Work. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm just saying, I don't see he might be even on the same receiving work, if not more than Taylor or uh, Swift. So even that's a bonus to him, especially yeah. in that uh, Rams offense that likes to throw the ball so much. We're going to talk about running back by committees. One of the most confusing for me and quite irritating, honestly, is Detroit. <laughs> you know me. I've said how much I've enjoyed watching Carrion run the ball. And unfortunately, he didn't get to do that do, that much due to Matt Patricia and his injuries, of course. But while that backfield is confusing, they have Bo Scarborough, both Johnsons, and now DeAndre Swift. Not the only team with two Johnsons. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but Swift is a power runner. He's 5'8", 212. Ty Johnson, of course, smaller guy. I guess there's more receiving work. Um, carry on. I have no idea what will happen with him. What do you see happening in Detroit? That's just poison to me. I, I say stay away from any running back in that backfield. I think I'd have to agree with Noah, though. I though I'd say stay away. I'm all for at the right price. I would take pretty much anyone. And I think that of of the backfields with Taylor, um, Clyde Edwards, and uh, Akers that I like uh, 
carry on a lot more than any of their counterparts, whether it's Marlon Mack, Damian Williams, and or Daryl Henderson or Malcolm Brown, whoever. I like carry on a lot more than I like any of those other backs that have rookies coming in to take their job. Just because not only do I think carry on's better, but I think he is going to ultimately probably get more looks. And the only thing that is stopping me from like loving either of them, just because I think their value could be somewhat there, is the fact that even when Carrion was the guy, he was barely even the guy. He wasn't getting bell cow type of carries. Even when he was, it was it wouldn't happen on a weekly basis. It was sometimes he was going to be pounding the rock so much and catching the ball, but then other weeks he was absent. And then, of course, his injury came. And I, they picked Swift for a reason. And even though, say, Swift were to break out, I still think not only is Carrion going to take some work, but I don't think he's going to get enough touches to even put out enough value for where his uh, spot's at, especially just because Carrion was drafted high last year and didn't put up numbers just where he was at. GM Bob Quinn says that his running backs are going to be competing with multiple backs, and he drafted Swift to be a part of a package. And Ooh. to compliment that, we know Matt Patricia upsetted me last season, but he's unlikely to give his rookie backs a huge load. Carry on last year had fewer than 10 carries in three of his first four games, and he only had three games where he had more than 15 carries. And of course, he got injured. But man, who knows what carry on could be? And now what could Swift could be? Do you think they're stunting anybody, or do you think the competition is good for the running backs? I almost feel like I'm I'm distracted by this question solely for the fact that the thought of running them in packages, I think, gives both of them more opportunities. Because when I hear package, I think that that means running two of them out of the backfield together, which means on the field, more opportunity for either of them, especially if two of them are out there, that's more potential for more receiving work for either of them. So hearing that they want to run them in a package, that makes me a lot higher on both of them, honestly. And I although... The Rams offense, with the distribute touches, splitting them between the two, I still think that neither of them are going to have enough. But You know, Ty Johnson, he certainly can catch the passes. We will see what they do in that situation, but I don't know. So, no, he was safe staying away from that backfield? Yeah, I'm still, that's still scary to me. I'm not going to risk having – I mean, like Jacob said, at the right price, but I'm not going to go out of my way – if they somehow fall to me in the right position, I'll, I'll, t- I'll jump on it. But more, more than likely, there will not be a Detroit running back on my roster this year. More than fair. Too many questions. But we could see a potential role taker in Tampa Bay with Vaughn. He said he's likely to see the field. Not he, but mm-hmm. sources say he's likely to see the field immediately. And he is noted highly by Bruce Arians for his pass protection as well as his catching ability out of the backfield. Um, people compare him to David Johnson in a Bruce Arians-style offense. And he rushed for over 1,000 yards both years at Bandy. How do you feel about that? Do you see him potentially coming in right away? Or do you see Ronald Jones kind of taking some of the carries away or possibly um, – I'm no, I'm gonna say his last name wrong. Darren Ogo. Ogan a double Waller or something. <laughs> something like that. Something, you know who I'm something talking about. I know who you're talking about. I never knew how to pronounce Do you it. see either of those taking away from Vaughn's game or do you see Vaughn really taking roles? I see Ronald Jones. Like you said, Bruce Arians was complimenting him on his, his pass protection, stuff like that. Maybe we'll see a little bit of Vaughn on offense, on passing downs more more than likely, but I think Ronald Jones is still gonna be that guy that takes a load of the carries and he'll get most of the running downs. 
and that seems a good RB2, maybe a flex option in some weeks. But I think Bond is still a stud, but he, he might get a lot of the passing attempts, but I'm, I'm sticking with Ronald Jones as their runner. I think I would take Vaughn over Ronald Jones nine times out of ten. Like a lot in part due to even Peyton Barber is he's good between the tackles, but not really. He's just like kind he's of a, gone now. he's just kind of a I know I'm saying in the past he was a reliable guy, but even though Ronald Jones is not the guy to take snap like touches away from a great back, even with Peyton Barber, you think that Ronald Jones has the way flasher back. They didn't really like Ronald Jones. He got more work than he has in seasons past, but he still wasn't a bell call by any means. I don't think they like Ronald Jones too much. They got rid of Peyton Barber. Being uh, Bruce Arians complimenting him on his pass protection and uh, receiving ability is great, especially working with Tom Brady because rule number one for Tampa Bay backfields is that they have to be able to uh, protect Brady. So I think the better receiving uh, protecting back will be the guy out there on all three downs or at least on the third down. And that if they're saying it's Vaughn, then it's going to be Vaughn and Ronald Jones has some hands, but I think if they're already complimenting Vaughn's hands, he could even take over that role, even though Ogunabuwale, whatever the hell his mm-hmm. name is, had taken that previously. Also, though those reports out about David Johnson were out, Bruce Arians pretty much nipped that in the bud by saying that he doesn't see uh, Vaughn being that David Johnson type of guy. So, yes, I don't think his potential is there to probably be a running back one, and he definitely won't meet the David Johnson in Arizona with Bruce Arians. Uh, numbers. Too many mouths. Yeah, I definitely think there's too many mouths. But as we've seen in the past, Brady loves throwing to the backs. One of the backs may be a huge emerger as a, a receiving threat, and that could be Vaughn. It could be. I don't. I see Vaughn being a bigger asset than Ogunwale, whatever the hell his name is, right off the bat. And I think that they don't really seem to like Jones. They got Vaughn at kind of a, a hefty price. You could make an argument that not really, but I definitely think that there's a larger role for him in that offense than uh. Ronald Jones, Oregon Boale. Yes. Also note, when Ronald Jones did get the starting job last year, finally, eventually, that game he was benched. Yeah. And Bruce Arians has been vocal about his concerns, I'll say, about Ronald Jones. So certainly, Vaughn. Has he had issues with the press protection? Because I thought that wasn't. Yes. Issue. Okay, yeah. th- that's that for that. Yeah. That was, that was it. He said he benched him. Lack of pass protection. And that was with Jameis. With Tom now, who's year, what, 43, 44? There's no way they're putting a guy in there that's not going to protect his quarterback. So out of our rookie running backs, Clyde, Taylor, Akers, Swift, Vaughn. Out of those five, who do you see most likely to end up on your fantasy roster, if one? I mean, I don't know about most likely. I'm not really high on drafting any of the rookie backs, but one I would definitely bank on being the best is Clyde. I would say Clyde in terms of if we're talking who's going to finish the best, but who's more likely to be on my fantasy team, I would say 100% Vaughn. So I think he's going to be at the best affordable price out of all the backs, and I honestly like his value better than Swift, Taylor, and uh, Akers. And then if Clyde was at an affordable price, it'd be him, but Vaughn's going to be there later in the rounds. And I think Vaughn has, is going to probably end up the season, maybe even midway through the season, be the, the running back for Tampa Bay. Great offense. I like Vaughn. I agree with you. I think that Vaughn's ADP is, I'm comfortable with where it's at, but his upside can certainly shatter. I would take a stab at and Vaughn. If I was comfortable with my running backs, I think I would certainly take a shot on Vaughn. 
Okay, so now we're going to move on to our second year backs. And we're going to start with Miles Sanders. Personally, I think I'm maybe the strongest guy on Miles Sanders that you can find. I think I – I, I honestly I have him as my sixth running back off my board, and it's because of the That's fact crazy. that it's it is crazy because in years past I would always be that guy to say, okay, Eagles backfield stay away from Eagles backfield stay away from because they like to spread the ball around so much. There's so many miles of feet out in their backfield, and they like to spread it out. So though some may have value, I usually just stay away altogether. Sanders is in an interesting position where they drafted no running backs. They got a couple of free agents that were undrafted. They didn't get any big-name free agents. It's just him. But with behind him, he's got Corey Clement and Boston Scott, who will have roles. But I believe it's just Boston Scott now, actually. No, they, they picked up Corey Clement. Oh, did they? Yeah, they did. So oh, okay. It'll, I still uh, think okay. – that doesn't scare me that much. I think those three in there, I think Miles Sanders could potentially actually be a bell cow back. Now there's still time for them to get a free agent. Now – Perhaps I've seen a lot of things out that maybe they'll get LaShawn McCoy. If they get LaShawn McCoy, my feelings on him will change a little bit, but I still think he would be a lot more productive than most Eagles backs in the past. And not only do I think he'll get most of the the running work and probably get around 230, maybe 240 carries, which will put him over 1,000 yards, I think, but he was a beast in the receiving game last year. He had 50 receptions, averaged over 10 yards per catch, and had – I think at least three, maybe four. I think it was three receiving touchdowns. I think his receiving work will even bump up even more so coming in this year as the number one back. I think he should have over 60 receptions easy, over 1,000 yards on the ground, and I think he should have over 10 touch, oh, total touchdowns, making him, I think, a surefire RB1 and going to be a big steal on draft day. I don't have much input there on Miles Sanders. That all sounds pretty enticing, and you're, you're, you're talking about quite a bit. But to me, that guy that you should be talking of is Josh Jacobs. After his stellar rookie year, I mean, he finished third in rushing. He finished third in rushing only behind Chubb and Derrick Henry. Not in that order, but he had 1,150 rushing yards and seven touchdowns. And Mike Mayock has also said that he plans to get Jacobs involved in the passing game even more. Well, to me, between if we're going to talk about Sanders and Jacobs, I'm actually very high on both, but I would say I'm more higher on Sanders. I mean, for God's sake, Boston Scott is in your backfield. Miles, I think, will definitely take it away. A little scary stat for uh, hate Miles Sanders haters. Between weeks 9 through 16 and week 9, right around when he really took the reins, he was running back 8. He outscored Alvin Kamara. Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, and Nick Chubb throughout that span. And what was a concern when he was in college was his ability to hold on to the ball. And in 2019, he had one fumble, which was very surprising. He could handle the ball very well. But the only concern for me was the touchdowns, and I'm sure there are more to come. He only had six, but I believe his work in the passing game will solidify him, and he's not totally touchdown dependent like Josh Jacobs is. But you can make an argument for both of them for sure. I think just to add on to what you were saying about the touchdowns, the reason I'm not worried about the touchdown department is because 
He had three receiving. I think I could even see that bumping up a little bit with him getting more receiver, maybe four, probably around three or four. But the rushing touchdowns, Boston Scott, once Miles Sanders had like an MCL like sprain or something in the last game of the season. So he in the first half of the last game. And then Boston Scott had three rushing touchdowns that game. I'm sure at least one of them, maybe two would have gone to him. That would have bumped it up. But also the first half of the season when Jordan Howard was the lead back, he had, I believe, six or seven rushing touchdowns in just that first eight-game span that most likely would have went to Sanders if he was lead back, even take a couple away, say he gets five of those. That's still a great upstick in volume. So do you see who do you think is a better pure runner, Miles Sanders or Josh Jacobs? Josh Jacobs. Pure runner. Josh Jacobs, right? I'd say Josh Jacobs. But if that includes open field, I like Miles Sanders in the open field a lot more That's than fair. I like Jacobs. Yeah. Do we trust – because I know Mike Mayock has said he plans to get Josh Jacobs more involved in the passing game. And I really do hope so because if Josh Jacobs established a passing game, he could be dangerous. He averaged around 18.6 carries. Uh, I believe he played 13 games. I think he's by and then he was hurt a couple, but yeah, his shoulder. He had ten touches twice and five games with twenty-three touches or more. And that stat concerns me a little bit just because of the inconsistency with the game plans. One week he's getting ten, one week he's getting twenty-five plus. But I like Jacobs as the runner. I think with them drafting rugs, it's gonna spread it out more. I still have faith in Derek Carr. I don't know how many people have the same opinion as me with that. But I do believe in Josh Jacobs' ability to take it to the next level, especially if it comes true that he will be more involved in the passing game. My, I think he definitely will be more involved in the passing game. But though Derek Carr, as much as he's gotten all this hate or whatever, I believe he finished top 10 in the league in passing yards last year. And that's with – he was not in the, even the top 10. I don't even think he was in the top 15 of passing attempts last year. So that, that is saying something in fact. What I would say is if the comparison between Sanders and Jacobs, I do think Jacobs will receive more rushing touches. But as we know in fantasy, getting a reception as opposed to getting a rush is a lot more valuable. And I think – Especially that we're in PPR. Yeah, no. This is all in PPR leagues, like exactly. But the Eagles offense is, I think, surefire going to throw the ball 600-plus times. And last year, if we're taking that as an example, especially because it, it's on par with Derek Carr's history, and I do think Derek Carr will be the Raiders quarterback. Derek Carr last year, though he was top 10, actually like specifically number eight in passing yards, Derek Carr threw the ball 513 times. That is almost 100 times less than Carson Wentz threw the ball. So unless Josh Jacobs' target share is in between 15 and 20%, he would not even ever come close to Miles Sanders' rushing stats, even if Miles My- Sanders gets around like in between 10 and 15. It'll, it just won't be there. I know he's not real big, but I want to talk, and talk about Devin Singletary just real quick. He had a pretty solid rookie year last year. He's heading into this season as an RB1, but something that's really concerning is that the Bills just took Zach Moss in the third round. What do you guys think about that? As a guy that was high on Singletary before the draft, it is a little scary just because it did also make me drop him down on my draft board. And I I was already nervous on Singletary just because I thought he could be that guy and they gave him more work at the end of the season. But I was worried that with maybe between his size 
and the offense that they were trying to run that maybe he wouldn't actually end up being the bell cow type of guy. And especially with them getting Zach Moss so early, I'm just hesitant now. Yeah, that's exactly where I'm at. Just wanted to hear where you I would say it. for myself as a guy who wants to see Devin Singletary succeed, I would say drafting Zach Moss certainly drops his drafting position, even if it's just in the slightest. I'm personally not too worried about it. I think they truly do believe in Devin Singletary's ability. I am super glad there's no more Frank Gore. He might have been the most frustrating player for me, <laughs> having Devin Singletary on my team. And what did upset me is I saw Zach Moss comparison to Frank Gore, and it really just made <laughs> turn my day the wrong way. But I believe in Devin's ability to catch the ball as well as run it. And, man, watching me is shifty. He is. He, he had – I don't know the exact stat, but he was top 10, top 5 in something of rushes above a certain amount of yards. Like, he was that guy that got those big plays, got those big runs, and, like, it was impressive to watch. Yes. So, out of Sanders, Jacobs, and Devin Singletary. Sanders. Sanders, for I sure. I think he's going to have the best year. I'm still sticking with Jacobs. <laughs> Who do you think has the highest ceiling? High ceiling? Miles Sanders. Sanders. Miles Sanders. I, I, would, I would say Miles Sanders has the highest ceiling, but I'm going to say out of terms of consistency and – Based on how he did last year, I would say Jacobs is going to be the higher. The better. Who's the safest floor? The, the safest floor, quite honestly, may be Jacobs, just because, as I've said, the Eagles' backfield in years past has been so spread out that, say, they got another guy like Michelle McCoy or another free agent, it could just be that same offense again. Even if it's not, we may still even see them spreading the ball enough to where the floor for Josh Jacobs as being the surefire running back one for their team may just overtake Sanders if it did go back to that running back by committee. Well, I think we're going to move into running back rankings now. We're all ready. One no-brainer. Christian McCaffrey, the highest paid running back in history. (laughs) Two, I feel maybe unanimous. I have Saquon. Yeah, Yeah, Saquon. Three, maybe a little discrepancy. I have Zeke. I, too, have Zeke, but I'm interchangeable with Cook there, honestly. I personally have Dalvin Cook at number three. And personally, I think without injury, bearing that is a big what if, I don't think there's a chance Zeke will score more than I wouldn't say that, but I, I would bet a lot of money that Cook outscores Zeke. That's an interesting point that you brought up. If injuries are out of the question between the two of those – I think I would have Cook ahead of Zeke, but I'm just – I think it's maybe because I'm more concerned about Cook's injuries than Zeke's that even though I think they're interchangeable, I put Zeke there just because of Dalvin's injury history. Yes, yeah, certainly the injuries are concerned, but I just think he was way too good. He averaged 20.9 points, second to CMC, and then those 14 games, if he would have played 16 – he would have scored a total of 334.2 points, which would have made him easily the running back two for the season behind Christian McCaffrey. And in terms of flex players, I think that would have put him as the third best player behind uh, Mike Thomas and McCaffrey, if you're including I believe it would have this. You are correct on that. So what is your argument for Zeke over uh, Dalvin? I... I really don't have an argument there. I, I'm, I'm agreeing with Jacob there. Him and Dalvin are pretty much interchangeable with three and four. I think either way, you get a great player out of both of them. I mean, you can't really complain about 
either one you get there. Certainly Dalvin, I believe higher ceiling, but certainly higher. Safest floor, Zeke. He's Mr. Consistency, yeah, so I have yeah. no problem changing three and four. But me personally, I think I would take Cook over Zeke on draft days. Zeke and Saquon are the exact like carbon like carbon copy of the running back that you would want to make. So yeah. that that just yes. pairs into it too. So five, I have Alvin Kamara. That's Likewise, yep. I I think this ranking could change. Uh, if there was a holdout, like I think, uh, like I think that maybe taken for granted come like uh, rankings and stuff is that people like Mixon and Kamara, we could see holdouts with either two of them, which would drop their ADP. Which, if they're not signed, obviously it would be very hurtful for fantasy football. But you may just be able to get a good value just if their ADP drops due to uh, holdouts. Number six. We're going to have some discrepancies here. I have Nick Chubb. I have Miles Sanders. I have Derrick Henry. I have Miles Sanders on my eight, not too far from you. I have Derrick Henry all the way at my nine and Chubb at my 11. My reason for putting Derrick Henry at six is, like I said, he's getting 300 touches at the very, very least. Finished as running back two, correct? Last year, I believe. No, uh, running back two was Aaron Jones. It, uh, you, Derek, you are right. Derek right, Henry. Right. He's definitely the rushing yards. Aaron yes. Jones, in, in PPR, yeah. Aaron Jones is number two. Yeah, okay, okay. Yes. I'm, I was which thinking, we're yeah, talking yeah, about, yeah, so okay. yes, you are right. But I don't see them changing their game plan much. Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry. I believe Ryan Tehina will continue to throw the ball somewhat, but – and this is another reason why I'm not that high on A.J. Brown. But with Henry, I think – He's coming into a contract year. I think he's going to absolutely tear it up. He wants his money, which he well deserves. And I just I think his volume is so attractive to me that I'm willing to put him up there. I agree. He's right after trouble having him at seven. I, I would even put him in my top five potentially. Now I could see Henry moving up my board, especially with especially with one of the names I have there, but I could I like Henry and I would be fine with having him on my team. The only thing is that I think we've seen the peak of Derrick Henry. I think that his last year produ- uh, production, though it was absolutely phenomenal, top five back, I'd love to have him on my team. I don't think there's much room for him to move up from there. His not only his rushing yards, his rushing touchdowns, those are both numbers that if he did improve on would be so minuscule that you wouldn't even notice. And I think that in terms of receiving work, he's always just going to be that type of guy that will get a couple looks per game, but he's never going to be implemented enough in the receiving game to change his value. So I just think that last year is best case scenario for how his season goes. So that's why, though that is a great scenario, he's just a guy that doesn't have a higher ceiling like a guy like Miles Sanders that I think could just – uh, though we don't know what he can do, he could do even better than I that. I agree with you there. He's not really a dynamic back. He's more of a just obviously run first guy. I mean, he's not often on the field when they do pass. But, I mean, he is obviously a great pass protector. He is the focal point, point, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't remember the name of the guy under him. Deion Lewis. Deion Lewis. Lewis. He, yeah. Yeah. he was traded. And with yeah. Henry, injuries are a bit of a concern. Certainly not as much as Cook, I would say. But Henry also fits that Zeke Saquon of being that guy that's built to be like the perfect running back. Yeah. So I think, well, we know Jacob's Sanders spiel. 
No, what do you – why are you putting Chubb at six? Playing Chubb at six because of the great year that he had last year in terms of rushing yards. I mean, you could argue that Cream Hunt's going to get a lot of passing like looks, but – I would say there might not be as much passing, and they're just going to run the ball even more now with Kevin Stefanski. Their their O-line got even better. So that's just going to get – I mean, look at what Chubb did with a poor O-line last year. This guy's just going to go downfield. He's fast as hell. Who's What's stopping him? I certainly think – I think Kareem Hunt stopped him. <laughs> you think so? I, see, I certainly think better O-line. I think hopefully – I'm just not hopefully not just a fan saying that the Browns offense will improve. They will be up later in games. They will run the ball, I believe, Nick Chubb's ability. But Kareem does concern me. When Kareem came back, however many games it was, maybe eight, whatever it was, in that span, Nick Chubb, I believe, only scored nine more points than Kareem Hunt. Wow. And I didn't realize that stat, but that scared me. And I think it just yeah, goes to say, and I'm watching the Browns game, I see how much they like to use Kareem. Yeah. I don't know how much it'll change with Stefanski. I'm not too sure what schemes he likes to run, but – I just think with Kareem being there, he's out of that top tier for me just because of that. In fact, I don't know the exact stat to pair along with it, but when Kareem came back, I believe Chubb was definitely out of the top 12 range, but I think he was even out of the top 15 running back range once upon his return. I think with Stefanski, we're gonna, we, we've done the run a lot in the past, but I could even see it improving. Maybe that keeps Chubb's rushing ability up to what it was in the first half of the season as opposed to the second. I think he could, just like last year, battle uh, Henry for the league lead in rushing yards. But just just like Henry, I think Chubb is probably even a better pass catcher than Henry. But Henry doesn't even have a Kareem Hunt on the backfield like the uh, uh, Browns do. And uh, Chubb's receiving work was little even before Kareem Hunt came. And then once Kareem Hunt came, he basically stole all of it from Chubb. So I, like when the receiving work has gone, I'm kind of like – down I played down the running back like crazy. So that's my I guess downside with him. But I still have uh Chubb as I think I have him at eleven. I think I still think he's a top ten back some some way or another. There's no question Chubb is a beast, but like I said, the volume is a concern. And for me personally, if I'm drafting one of my first two rounds, <laughs> what I look for most importantly is volume, how often they'll be on the field. So for me with Kareem, that takes Chubb down for me to fourteen. Wow, it's lower than some. Oh, yeah, that's a lot lower than me. Just too. the volume, very very concerns me. I yeah. can also see that dropping down on mine, but I, I don't I don't know. Chubb's a guy that he's the, a beast, man. With, We've with, seen him run. But though. it's it's honestly too with with new coaches and new like new crap like that. Like we really don't know where Chubb's going to be. He could pull a Dal- a Dalvin and somehow end up in the top five. He could also with Kareem and the way that they're how talented and how many mouths to feed. He can drop outside of the top 12 easily. I, yeah, I don't know. Football for you, man. Yeah, right. seriously. Okay, well, let's move on to our number sevens. Certainly, we're going to have some more discrepancy here. I thought we'd have more. No, yeah. you had Derrick Henry at seven, right? Yeah, Derrick Henry. Not much more to talk about there. Yeah. That's my guy right there. Big dude. He's going to punch him in for me. Jacob, how about your seven? I have Eckler coming in at seven for me. I have Kenyon Drake at seven. I'll let you wow. go first for Austin Eckler. Well, there may be some bias with me personally just because I am a huge Chargers fan, but I might even have more bad to say about Austin Eckler than other guys. I think Austin Eckler, even with Justin Jackson, even with whoever they like, I guess I, I still think that the backfield is just mainly going to consist of 
Jackson and Eckler. Yeah. I don't think Eckler is going to be a bell type, bell cow type of guy that's getting 15 plus uh, carries per game, not touches. I do think basically receiver out of the back. I was about to say, I think his uh, rushing work will probably be around like 13, 14 carries per game. And though his receiving work was the main asset of his thing last year, and with he'll definitely get more groundwork, which maybe even more rushing touchdowns because Melvin Gordon vultured so many rushing touchdowns upon his return. I think that with the new replacement of quarterback, say what you want about Philip Rivers, he put them in scored position. They scored a lot of touchdowns, the whole offense. I think that the offense is going to score less, tu- less touchdowns, which will mean that the running back, running back group now, even though it's just Eckler, I don't think he's going to get as many rush touchdowns as we've seen Melvin Gordon get. And his big, big factor, though he's going to have improved rushing, which will help his run, like more stats to get him more points. The receiving work that he received last year was uh, absurd. He's not going to be able to return that just because Philip Rivers, once again, let everyone he got a lot of hate. He threw the ball a shit ton. He yeah. threw the ball. It wasn't top five, but he was a higher top sit, a top ten in the league. He threw, I believe, around 590 passes. And Eckler received over 18% of those targets. And that's with Melvin Gordon being in the backfield for 12 of the games. Now, he even if he kept that 18% target share, which even though it's out, outstanding and with Keaton Allen and uh, Hunter Henry, I still think he could keep around 18% target share. But with Taylor and potentially then Herbert replacing uh, Philip Rivers, I think the amount of passes thrown is going to drop significantly to the point where even getting uh, 18% of the targets, he's not, he got like 107 targets last year. It's going to be closer to like in the 80, 90 range. If, if he has a good year with them. So even with his passing, like targets going down, you think he won't run more than, Oh no, I definitely think, I think he's going to get a whole lot more carries than he get last year. He'll come close to a thousand yards. I don't think he's going to get a thousand yards. And it all sounds like I'm talking down Austin Eckler, but I still think, <laughs> Even with all this, I still have him as my running back seven. I think he'll have around 70 catches, uh, 65, 70 catches. I think maybe his yards per catch goes down, but, hey, it was at over 10 uh, yards, per ca- or yards per catch. So that's all right, even if it's higher eight, maybe nine, with 70, 65, 70 catches, with around 200 carries, around 1,000 uh, yards, probably closer to like 900. I still think he's going to be a guy that's going to get – uh, around 1,500 total yards, 65-plus catches, and a guy that's going to get 10-plus touchdowns. So that's why I have him in my RB7. The question for me isn't Eckler's ability, and I still have him as a top 12 back because of that. I think the Chargers know if they're going to want to win games, they're going to have to put the ball in his hands. For me, it's more of his situation, and I believe he will get more carries on the ground for sure, and I still expect him to excel. I just don't know how much I trust Taylor. I don't think he's going to dump it off nearly as much as Phillip did. But, like I said, I still believe in Eckler's ability. It's more just a quarterback situation for me, Tyrod. And even if they put Herbert in later, I don't know if I trust him or Tyrod enough to put him higher into that other tier. Can I share something? Yes. Now, would you guys agree that Austin Eckler is a, a better receiving back than LaShawn McCoy? And, and LaShawn McCoy is it's arguably prime. Oh, for sure. Or no, would you say that LaShawn McCoy was a better pass catcher than Austin Eckler? I, I would I, say Eckler's could LaShawn be a better pass catcher. I would say LaShawn McCoy is a better overall hybrid. Yes. Austin Eckler, pure pass catching, sure. I would like I'd to agree no with that, but I mean, last year was pretty much the first year that we did get to see Austin Eckler 
pretty much all out. I mean, he did have a role the year before, but not as significant as it was last year when he took kind of took when Melvin kind of took the back seat to him. Mm-hmm. But I, I'd say we see another year of that. Then yeah, I'd be more in depth to agree with you there. With Melvin being there and healthy. Eckler, yes, did not receive even close to the work he got last year. But when they gave him the ball, he was very good with it. He was a type of uh, Alvin Kamara type of guy, even though obviously he didn't get as many opportunities. He had great output with not only his yards per carry, but his yards per catch, as we saw early in, even though he did get more touches. Uh, Alvin Kamara's rookie season. Now, it wasn't uh, Eckler's rookie season last year, but he was phenomenal. And I think that from what we've seen, Tyrod Taylor started two, three seasons with the Buffalo Bills. In that range, when LaShawn McCoy was healthy, if you equivalent his injuries to a full-season standpoint, his receptions per year were around in the 50-60 range. Now, if we think Eckler's a better receiver than that, I think that he could easily have 60 range, maybe even – I don't think he'll be 70 range. I think he could maybe touch 70 receptions, but I think 65 range is perfect for Austin Eckler's receiving out- output, and I think that with history with Tyrod – and LaShawn McCoy, we see it is possible with him. He does he does like to give a deep ball every now and then, but also, uh, Tyra Taylor is a safe kind of thrower. He's going to throw to the guy that he thinks is actually going to get him the ball and not interception. So, Fair point. Um, just curious, where do you guys have Drake? Personally, I'm very high on Drake. My ranking of him may not say it. I have him as 12. I could see him crashing into my top 10. I'm I'm actually fairly high on Drake, especially with seeing how he did it with the end of his I'm, season. I'm actually right with you. I have, him at, I have him at 12 too, but just as you said, he could easily enter my top 10. Yeah, so I like I said, I have him at 7. I know in Arizona there's certainly a lot of mouth speed, and I feel that is the main issue in terms of volume. But we've seen Kenny and Drake shine already on the Arizona Cardinals. Thank the Lord, he's out of Miami. Adam Gase, man. Look what you could have had. And what I like about him especially is I've seen him pound the hell out of the rock on that team. He ran over Cleveland, four touchdowns, 130-plus yards, I believe. Don't remind me. And I expect the Cardinals – they surprised me last year. They were better than I thought. And with adding D-Hop, they added Simmons, man, best linebacker I've seen in a while. I expect – them to be winning more. I expect them to run more. And the only thing is Kyler's legs. I know he likes to do it a lot, but I believe Drake will have a significant role in Arizona. Yeah, I agree there. I agree. My thoughts as I see it, though, just if you want to look at a downside, just because we've heard so much great about him, is that – well, also, this is coming from a guy – even when he was on the Dolphins, I was always – Probably yes, higher. Been. Been I've been probably fans. higher on. I thought he was a very talented back, and I didn't think he got enough work in uh, the Dolphins' offense. Now, saying that, I think he is a better pass catcher than most give him credit for. And even his first couple games on the uh, Arizona offense, he got like five, six amount like t- uh, uh, receptions per game. So that was like substantial. Now, I think that the way I see it, he got a lot of. Uh, I think I don't know his I don't know his exact target share, but it was what I like to see for a receiving back. And if that was repeated and like duplicated, yes, I love his receiving work. But with the addition of D Hop, they have Larry Fitz, they have Christian Kirk. I just feel like I'm nervous maybe about how many how much receiving work he's gonna get. I still think he's gonna be uh higher than most receiving back, but I guess I'm I'm just a little worried about how much receiving work he's actually gonna get. Now rushing work. I also agree with Ryan. I do think that he's going to 
probably maybe closer to what we saw at the end of last season with the receiving work. And I think that they're going to be up a lot more than they were in past years. So maybe that means more rushing. But he's also paired with one of the best rushing quarterbacks in the league, which means that they're going to vulture some not only touches and yards and stuff like that, but also then rushing touchdowns, which could play in a factor. I still think uh, Drake's the type of guy that's going to rush for over a thousand yards, going to have over maybe I think he's going to have around 50 receptions somewhere in that range. And that I think he's going to have around 10 touchdowns, maybe more. Tell you what, I will. I like my ranking, but I would be a lot higher if they didn't have Chase Edmonds. Man. Yeah, I, I would agree with that too, just because he's a very high handcuff. And, not, and the reason he's a high handcuff is because he's a talented guy that can work sure. some touches. Um, okay, so Jacob, who do you have a running back eight? I see you have somebody different. I was about to say, hey, my eight I think will shock you guys a lot, and I'm not even that high on this guy. I just think Joe Mixon is the type of guy that with – with the new uh, offense with Joe Burrow, I honestly I love the I, I I honestly like their offense probably most than a lot more than most guys. I like AJ Green coming back. He gets hurt now and then. He's getting a little bit older. I still believe in his talent. I I like uh, Tyler Boyd a whole lot. They still have John Ross, who as we know isn't going to be a wide receiver one or two, but he's a guy that could uh, stretch the defense. I like Auden Tate, and I think that Joe Burrow won't be a top quarterback coming in the league, but I think he'll be an improvement. They their offense threw the ball a lot. They were also down a lot at the end of the season last season. Especially, we saw what Joe Mixon could be if he's a guy. I think he's a guy that could be, if not top five, definitely top ten in carries per game. He can catch the ball. Gio Bernard's there, but with if he got around twelve percent target share, even with that, I think we could see him around like maybe close to fifty percent receptions. Maybe not there, but definitely over forty. I think he'll have over 1,200 yards on the ground, and I think that in an improved offense, we could see him get a lot more scores. And if he gets over 10, uh, 10 12 touchdowns with close to 50 receptions, over 1,200 yards on the ground, he could be a guy that's a great steal also, but he's also got that contract that he may hold out for. But Okay, I mean, Joe Mixon, I even after what you did to me last year, I still have him at 11. I think he, as you said, the Bengals offense to me is on the up and up. They just got T. Higgins too. I feel like Joe makes it, like you said, he's a pass catcher. He's going to get a ton of carries. As long as he doesn't hold out, I feel like he's there. He's going to be a very, he could easily enter my top 10 again. I think he just depends on how good the offense is. Exactly. And their O-line, it did get better, but they still have some, some holes there that they need to work on. But other than that, he's stellar. I think the opportunity is most certainly there for Joe Mixon. And it's like we've all been just waiting for him to grab it and run with it. We all want it. It's the truth. The only thing holding me back, I have Mixon at 10, still top 12 back for sure. I love Joe Burrow. I just I want to see their offense turn around before I draft a centerpiece on my offense around it. Yeah, But I, I believe the opportunity is definitely there. And I could be totally wrong. He could finish top five. For certainly, I think top 10 is very reasonable. And I think if he falls because of that, he could certainly be one of the biggest seals in the draft. But I don't know if I would necessarily touch him if it cost me a first or early second round pick. I agree. Yeah, He's too risky, but definitely. that's that risk reward pick. Right. All right. So I see Jacob at 10. You have Aaron Jones. We're going to talk about him and then we'll get into the trivia or we'll – 
Best value. Best, best value. value. And then we're going to get into the trivia. But before, let's talk about Aaron Jones because he's an interesting situation. I think Aaron Jones is going to be – I mean, there's a lot of guys you could say this for, but Aaron Jones is my pick for a guy that we're going to see fluctuate the most amongst ADPs come like around draft season just because they uh, – after last season, he was absolutely terrific, but he had a touchdown output that there's most certainly going to be a regression there. And pairing with that, though he was – Finished in PPR as RB2, he still – he got a, a, a terrific amount of touches, but it still was not at bell cow level. J- Jamal Williams – Jamal Williams certainly had – He still role. vultured a, a great deal of touches. And now in the second round, their first uh, skill position pick, the Packers select A.J. Dillon. So that's even a worse sign for uh, Aaron Jones' value, especially with Matt LaFleur talking about how he wants to implement – all three backs, that can't be good for Aaron Jones. I would pay a lot of money to be in the Packers' war room on draft night. I would have paid a lot of money to be <laughs> yeah. with that same man. I'm sorry for the Packers fans because I would be very upset too, but cheers to Bryce Love. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. For real. Noah, your thoughts on Aaron Jones? I have him pretty much around the same area. He's my nine back. Uh, I agree with a lot of what Jacob said. Uh, obviously, he's going to regress. It's just natural. But he, he's still going to have a lot of output. He's basically, I mean, you can pretty much consider him a receiver at this point, considering after what the Packers did on draft night. I, yeah. He doesn't really have much maybe else he'll, to Maybe he'll line to. up in the slot. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly, I have Jones at 12. For me, it's just more of a matter of Williams being there. The volume, although, and I think because I think touchdown regression is certainly going to happen, but he's still very valuable. His talent is no question. So certainly a top pull back for me as well. Let's hear about your guys' biggest steals, ADP-wise. So I've already voiced it before, so I guess I'll bounce around it, but I could even make an argument for Miles Sanders, but since I've talked him up so much, I'll just uh, put that aside. I think he could even be a uh, vote for him, but I will say – my boy David Johnson, just because I think he'll move up a lot of draft boards come like around the time of it, they're actually going to be drafted just because it's so early. But at the moment, the highest I've seen David Johnson is mid 40s, and that's that's the best I've seen. Everything else I've seen of David Johnson is 60, 70. I think it's even like most the average is probably around 50, 60, and even that I think is so low. I'd be fine with taking David Johnson in the mid to late 30s. I think he's a guy that has everyone seen a lot of down things about him, but I still think he's a, he's a really good back. Now the landing spot of Houston is a tremendous upstick of his uh, fantasy value aside from just because Kenyon Drake completely just took over his role in Arizona. But if he's replacing Kenyon Drake, then that's not much of a fantasy guy you want to have just because though productive, Carlos Hyde did not have, like oh, any year, any like, he had good rushing stats, but no receiving stats, and that brings me to my very next, touchdown dependent. Very touchdown dependent, and that brings me to the next point is that in the fact that the Texans don't really throw to their running backs. Last year they had close to fifteen percent, but below fifteen percent. And from what I've seen in years past, uh, uh, Bill O'Brien does not like to throw the ball. Ball it's been around like fourteen to eighteen percent in most recent years. So that's not what you want to hear, especially with a guy like Duke Johnson, one of the best receiving backs in uh, the NFL, but they saw him as a three down guy. I think he's a guy that could definitely get over 40 receptions, maybe close to 50. I don't think he'll get to 50, but 
I think he'll be able to duplicate Carlos Hyde's rushing work. And because they don't have a guy like D-Hop and whatever, I think he'll be more of a focal point. Now, because they don't have D-Hop, maybe their offense doesn't thrive as much. I still see him as a guy that could get around 10 touchdowns, maybe more, but probably 10 is about his best-case scenario. I, maybe best-case scenario, obviously more, but 10 is maybe more of his landing spot. More than 40 receptions, over 1,000 yards on the ground. And for a guy that you can get in the late third round at, at very end, but definitely a guy that you can get in the fourth, maybe fifth, that's a total steal to me. So what round do you feel great getting in the fifth? I would feel great getting him in the in the fourth, depending on what really? fourth you're talking. Like if I got uh, David Johnson in the forties, I would be thrilled. You're not worried about Duke Johnson taking any of the work because personally, I am. I I've heard they're happy with him, and I don't know. That just worries me a little bit. Plus the Deshaun thing, he's never really had that running back to dump it. Certainly DJ could fill a role, but I don't know if he will. So I'd say that's my only concern. I agree because, like I said, with Kyler and uh, Kenyon Drake, not only is uh, uh, what's it called, Deshaun going to get a lot of more rushing. Like he's he even rushes it more than Kyler. He's going to steal so many carries, so many yards, and even then rushing touchdowns. So that may come into effect. But Carlos Hyde still had six, seven rushing touchdowns. Give that to David Johnson. Give him some more receiving touchdowns. And I could even see a situation with. David Johnson and Duke Johnson being such great receiving backs that they keep both of them in on third down. And without having a guy like D-Hop, they run a two running backs uh, set where either one of them can get it. And though you don't want to listen to too much coach talk and no one's really that fond of Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien said <laughs> Bill O'Brien said he saw David Johnson as a three down back. And I'm, even though it seemed like he had some personal vendetta against uh, DeAndre Hopkins, he wouldn't just get rid of him and replace him with a guy if he didn't see a – nearing focal point view for him in the offense well we will certainly see what unfolds in texas hopefully for the texans fans he can fill the shoes of Hop, but that certainly is a it's big big shoes to fill big shoes to fill noah do you have any running back you feel is a steal based on their adp i i'm gonna say todd Gurley. he's obviously there's major concerns with his arthritic knees but he's gonna be the main back in atlanta Sure, he might not get a lot of receiving looks, but you, you think he will? No, I'm, th- sa- I'm saying I don't think they drafted anybody on offense today. And or very, I, like, just to, if we're talking about receiving work in Atlanta, like I said, Matt Ryan throws a ball. He missed the game last year, but he still finished top three in pass uh, attempts per game, I believe. Yeah. So that's saying something. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Really and uh, Devonta Freeman received a great – when he was on the field, received a great amount of receiving work, so I could see that being in so what, what what round would you feel great getting Gurley? Honestly, if he's there in the fourth round, I'd be happy to take him. Okay, um, I'm going to say this real quick, but I have a quick answer, but I'm curious if you guys don't, that's okay. Is there a running back you're not touching from draft day? For me, it's James Conner. James Conner? Yep. Not going near him. I feel like come those guys – I don't know. I feel like I could throw so many guys that I wouldn't draft that I could get like at Le'Veon's price. So I feel like the guys that I wouldn't touch, I'll just give for the first like three rounds. And for that, I guess you won't, you can expect to not see, I don't know. I've seen Gurley's value vary. And I think that I, I don't know. I couldn't throw him in that category just because he could outplay significantly. I think that Fournette is a guy that unless he slipped extremely low i don't want fournette at his uh 
first had his first two round ADP. I agree with that too. All right, I'm gonna give my take on my guy, and then we'll get into trivia. I'll try and be quick. Guy, I'm not touching like I said, unless he absolutely fell to me. Which even then, I just I don't think I would. I don't think I'm touching Mark Ingram, and I literally have a jersey of him. It pains me to say that because you know I like him. I just see his touchdowns. No way in hell it's sustainable. He is certainly regressing. I don't see him being much in the passing game in Baltimore. I don't think they're going to be winning by as big as they did as often as they did last year. I don't see J.K. having a huge role, but I certainly am seeing what they have in him. And I just I think with the touchdown regression, he's another year older. I just I'm not touching him on draft day. I agree with that. To pair along with that, I uh, saw an analyst say, and I think it words it perfect that though Mark Ingram is their guy now, they picked J.K. Dobbins to be the running back of their future. Yes. And like you said, Mark Ingram was significantly touchdown dependent. Even when he got a lot of carries, it wasn't that much, and he didn't get that much. Some of the most dependent running backs in the he, league. I believe he had 10 rushing and then five receiving. He didn't receive that much receiving work, but he got a lot of receiving touchdowns. 15 touchdowns for Mark Ingram, I believe, is the most he's got in his career. Not going to happen again. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm excited. Let's do some it. trivia. I'm going to be asking the questions today. It's all about running backs. I think I picked some good ones for you guys. I hope you enjoy them. Hopefully they tickle your brain a little bit. Hopefully I can do a little bit better than yesterday because that was absolutely atrocious. Let's see, running backs – Better than quarterbacks, I certainly think the trivia will be. I'm going to start with this one. In the last season, 2019 season, who were the top three running backs in terms of receiving touchdowns? In terms of receiving touchdowns? Who received the most touchdowns? Mark Ingram, for sure. Mark Ingram, Austin Eckler, and... Uh, shit. Are we doing this one by one or do you want to? Oh, I apologize. That's I, okay. I, don't I, don't know. Know. I was rattling them off. Two. We can go one by one, even though I've already just said two. I'm with you on Austin Eckler there. I'm going to say Aaron Jones as number my number two. And you can go ahead and say your third. Uh, Austin, Aaron Jones is deceiving. If I'm correct, I believe Aaron Jones, I think he only had like four or three honestly even though he had great receiving work I think Mark Ingram because like I said I believe he had like five rushing touchdowns which for running back is a lot I think Austin Eckler had eight or nine which is outstanding for like that's that's insane for running back I feel inclined to guess CMC just because he's he's that receiving guy but I'm hesitant uh let me I'll take a look at my guys well I'll tell you this and top three backs, excuse me, I meant to say four just because the number one was, like you guys said, Austin Eckler had eight receiving touchdowns, led the league. Three other players were tied for five receiving touchdowns. So okay, top so four, Mark, excuse me. So Mark is included in that. Mark Ingram was one of them. The two others have not been mentioned yet. Christian McCaffrey scored four receiving touchdowns last season. I think I could guess these last two. I will I say, say Joe Mixon is one. I would not. I would say – I want to guess – I'm feeling Dalvin on this one. Dalvin was not one. Joe Mixon was not one either. 
Okay, then it's got to be Alvin has to be one. I don't think Alvin is either. Really? Am I? Am Alvin Kamara is not yeah. one of the answers. Um, I'll well, guess. I like this question. A little tricky. I, no, Gordon didn't get enough. Okay. I don't think Bell even scored enough touchdowns. What about Damian Williams? No. He did not get five. Am I wrong? It is not Damian Williams. Uh, hmm. I feel like this is tough. I want to guess Gurley, but I honestly – I don't th- I don't think Gurley got five. But I, I feel like – huh? No, I was just – I was going to say, yeah, no. I, I felt like Gurley had a lot, of, a lot more t- – like he had a good amount of receiving, but no. Uh – Oh, no. <laughs> I thought I had someone good. No, I, I don't know. What about okay. James White? James White was one of them. Good guess. That's great. Ingram, White, and one other person had five receiving touchdowns. Is this one going to be a huge shocker? Not a huge shocker when you think about it, but I wouldn't have guessed it. But I knew it was right, but I just wouldn't have thought of him. Hmm. Tariq Cohen? Not as I was say, Tariq Cohen. Uh, Give me a guess. We gotta move on to the next one. Play. I I can't throw out a guess for you. The third player with five receiving touchdowns, not Aaron Jones, but Jamal, Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams. Keep that in mind. He is definitely still a piece of that offense. Which is like I said, made me a little less on Jones. The touchdown reliance is certainly there. Mm-hmm. Or, excuse me. Touchdown regression will certainly be there, but yeah, surprising, right? I was, I'm, I honestly, as a guy that owned Aaron Jones, it's not that surprising, but I, I wasn't planning on guessing him, so yes. Okay, so this is just, it's still a question, but it's just a little side one I wanted to share. That's really interesting. That just shows how fantasy crazy it can be. Do you guys know who the top two running backs were in Week Seven? Probably not going to guess. Some teams don't throw something out. I'll yeah. tell you, the top two. Running backs in week seven, Chase Edmonds and Latavius Murray. Wow. Because they both got that backup role yeah. when Kamara was out and when DJ was out. Yeah, Handcuffs cool. can be useful, man. They can very much so. Okay, so for this question, I laid out the top five rushing performances in a single game for the 2019 season in terms of total yards on the ground. I know it. Or I know two of them. Derrick Henry, Henry got over 200 yards. Bonus points if you can tell me the yardage within five. 220 in the last week of the season, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry had 211 <laughs> the last week against Houston in 2019. Sure. That was the second top rushing performance. I'm going to guess season. 225 for Leonard Fournette in week five. Mm-hmm. Six. Week six? Yes. So close. <laughs> Leonard Fournette rushed for 225 yards <gasps> for the greatest performance of the 2019 season, week four. Wow. And against, I had it down to the number. Against the Denver Broncos. Crazy. And then I think – okay, so you said top five rushing performance of the year. Yes. Can one player have a couple of those? There's one player with multiple. Derrick Henry yeah, that player. Derrick. Correct. And then I think Joe Mixon even may be a guy that sides into that, no? He was very close. Ah, very close. Um, Quick nods also go to Kenny Drake and Nick Chubb, who missed it by just a couple, maybe a, just one more run. Huh. So then. No, you have any idea? Uh, 
Was, it uh, might, might, might be Dalvin. Yeah, I'll tell you this. Derrick Henry. CMC. CMC had the fifth highest yes. with 176 yards against Jacksonville week five. How many was that you said? 176. Oh, Derrick Henry shit. had the fourth most with 188 yards against Kansas City week 10, so he had two of the top five. And you're dismissing the person who had the third highest rushing game. Uh, Saquon against the Dolphins? Saquon is right. 189 yards against Washington week Reds. 16. Yeah, I, I was playing against and Joe that week. So Daniel I, Jones had a kneel. Because he threw like a yeah. bomb to Saquon that game too. PPR, man. <laughs> so I see him seeing Saquon up there. Okay, this one is probably my favorite one that I came up with. There's five running backs who in the 2019 season had at least one game with 10-plus receptions. One of them's obvious. Austin Eckler, CMC. Austin Eckler had one, had one game with ten or more receptions, in which he scored fifteen. He had fifteen receptions in Week Seven against Denver, and a mere six yards. uh, I'm not positive, but he only had a mere seven rush yards. I knew his. And you said CMC. Yes. CMC is the only player with multiple, with. Five games of 10-plus receptions. Nine games with at least seven receptions. That's incredible. Yeah. No one rise high speed. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That's uh, that's outstanding. Whew. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie. There's one other one that I think you could so, get, but the other two, maybe not. What? It, so there's top five, and we just named CMC and Eckler, correct? Yeah. So there's three others who had Also, oh, no, game. you want to go back and forth just because, like, that, yeah, that's fine. I've just been – like Dude, Brad, it's not. It's so you go next. I, I, I gotta be honest. I think there's one you're not getting. I think. But uh, prove me wrong. There's, there's gotta be. Ah, uh, Tree Cohen. No, he had nine. Ah, I, I knew he, I knew he had a couple games where he was about Zeke. No, Zeke was not up. He is most had like seven. I think one of the weeks. Yeah. Um, I don't think Kamara did, but I mean he's that guy. So Kamara. Kamara had one game Ooh. with ten or more receptions. Very good. Two more. Um, one maybe you could get, but I really don't think you're going to get the other one. I mean, it's tricky. I was excited to see it. Fournette was shocking last year, but I don't think he had over 10. It's not Fournette. Um, what about Sonny Michelle? I feel like he's still alive. No. It's not Sonny Michelle. Wait, let me look at my – I think it would have been white. Let me look at my big border running backs because I only have uh, like my top 20 rankings in this, so it's it's got to be just one of those receiving back guys. Shit, though, I guess it's like, oh, wait, if I go. How about I give you guys a hint? Yes, please. Both players were in the AFC. The remaining players were in the AFC. Hmm. Running back. I'm going to guess that both, I mean, obviously, the the rest of these two guys are going to have to be guys that are solely, like, receiving backs. And that. Ah. Uh... This one will be interesting because if it's not Tree Cohen, then I'm – I don't know. I'm kind of at a loss for who I think. Jalen Samuels? That is the one I did not think you are going to get. Jalen Samuels. Good one. Week 13, he had – I'm sorry. He had 13 receptions on week nine against Indiana. Did uh, – I remember that week. I do too. Everybody yeah, vaguely. off the waivers, yeah. man. Um, There's one more. Who I think you could get AFC running back. 
Damn, this is tough. I'm gonna have to have a timer. Uh, I I don't know. Naheem Hines was not the other only other player with ten or more receptions who did it once was Le'Veon Bell. Really? Huh? I don't think I would have guessed Le'Veon. I wouldn't have either. He had ten receptions one week. (laughs) This one I like as for in terms of next year some trends. Who are the top three running backs of the 2019 season from week 11 to week 16? Who are the top three? Yes. From week 11 to week 16. Joe Mixon. No. Kenyon Drake. No. Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders was three, and the other two shouldn't be hard. Derrick Henry. Yeah, that's my No. What? Saquon. No. Fortnite? No. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, CMC. Very good guesses. CMC was one. Um, And then we're just looking for the last one. Yep, Mm -hmm. number two. Aaron Jones, I don't know. No. Um, let me get one more guess and then let's say Cody B. Let's see Tucker. Raheem Mostert. <gasps> That's a good guess. That is but a really good guess. Zeke Elliott. Really? Really? Yes. And I had Zeke on my team too. That's shocking. Yes. But Miles Sanders, man, just another reason. I know. All right. And for this one, I love this one. Is this your Actually, last one? I'm going to save this one for last. I'm going to go. I have one more and then one throwback. Card. All right. For this one, which running back has finished top five in three of the last four years? Which running back? There's one running back who's finished top five in three of the last four years. Zeke. 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 And Zeke finished as running back 12 in 2017, but he only played 10 games. Because wow. remember that? That's, yeah. that's uh, incredible. And that crazy. he was on pace to finish as running back three that season behind mm-hmm. Gurley Bell. That's why I said earlier, Mr. Consistency. Yeah. That's why I said his floor is just astounding. But, all right, we're going to wrap up this episode with one last trivia question. I thought it would be a little fun to do a well, throwback. In fact, I don't mean to steal your thunder. I wrote two of myself, oh, but okay. I, think, I think that could provide as interesting. Are yours current? Both of them are current. All right, let's do yours season. and then do my throwback one. All right, so for this question, we are looking at the last eight games of the season, so weeks 10 through 17. Who had the most rushing yards aside from Derrick Henry? How many? Just one person? Just one person okay. from weeks 10 to 17. 10 to 17. Who had the most rushing yards aside from Derrick Is Kenny? it shocking? I can tell you the number is 817 rushing yards. So wow. over, over 100 yards per game. Half the season. Wow. Okay. Um, this is tough. Immediately it popped up in mind was when you said Raheem. But I don't believe he had that many games like that. No. Eight. Ah. I thought this was a good one, particularly just because it was about half the season and the second half of the season, which comes into play for predicting the next year. Yeah. That, that almost makes me want to say Miles. I'm going to say Miles Sanders. I will say it is not Miles Sanders and it is not Raheem. Most is it that. Leonard Fournette? It is not Leonard Fournette. Hmm. It, it, it's got Dalvin? Was it Saquon? It was neither of the two. Wow. It's got to be someone we're missing. This is crazy. Um, Little brain picker. I like it. <laughs> it's from – I just think it's a real eye-opener. Was it Joe Mixon? It was okay. Joe Mixon. Wow. I remember, yes. The last 
three out of the three out of the four last games of the season, he had, I believe, over 125 rushing yards in, on those. And before that, he had been decent enough. So like, it's not just the last four games. The last eight games of the season, that's right. he that's averaged crazy. over 100 yards. That is eye opening. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That like that's what I'm saying. It makes me like him better. Yeah, I know. The second half of this, I think people canceled Joe out at the beginning of his first half of the season. Second half of the season, he he gave up good numbers. And then I have one last question, and this question has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven answers. Okay. Wow. This is running backs with at least 64 receptions last year. And there were seven of them. Okay, Austin CMC, Eckler. Austin Eckler, right Correct, off the board. Both of them. Okay. And uh, CMC for how many receptions was it? CMC sixty-four receptions. So at an average Ooh. of four receptions per game. Keep in mind that's averaging okay. four, which is great for a fantasy running back. CMC had one hundred and sixteen, and Eckler had an astounding, though not uh, CMC's numbers, ninety-two receptions. Wow. Okay. Um, and just to say, obviously, I want to say James White probably just missed that. Is he on the list? James White made the list with Did 72 he? receptions. Okay. Awesome. Wow. So I remember he had a lot with three and two, but then he would get four or five. Yeah. Four or five. Oh, okay. What about Tariq Cohen? Tariq Cohen came in shockingly fourth with 79 receptions. Wow. I don't think anyone realized that. And the Bears offense can't get any worse. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think anyone realized Cohen was getting that many receptions. So we've got four right now, right? We have CMC, Eckler, White, and Cohen, and they were – Four of the top five off the board. Okay. Or no, no, no. That's incorrect, actually. Uh, oh, two, three of them were, but there's two other that are higher than whites. Was one Philip Lindsay? No. Okay. What about Le'Veon? Le'Veon was the lowest with 66. Wow. So there's two more left. Aaron Jones. No. Wow, Aaron really? Jones, I believe, had around 49 to like 52, something in that range. Did okay. Miles Sanders make the list? No. He no. He, okay. he had 50 receptions, I believe, Miles Sanders did, which is still for first-year rookie running back. These two guys that are left, I think one of them you guys are just missing and that you guys should know. Saquon? No. Because Saquon got hurt and yeah. aside from that. So did Zeke make that? No. Oh, It's got to be Dalvin or Alvin. Well, Dalvin is injured, so I doubt it. No, it's not Dalvin. Yeah, I was going to say no. So, Alvin? Alvin had 81 receptions last oh, year. Oh, Which, with, keeping with that, Alvin, was that, was that Alvin's third year? Yes. Every, every, all three of Dalvin's seasons that he's played in the National Football League, he has finished the season with exactly 81 receptions all okay. three seasons. That's, that's crazy. Wow. So, is, is there one more still? There's one more. And this one, I think, is the most eye-opening one of them all. And I think you guys will be shocked. Is it a top 10 back? It is a, a, in our rankings or finishing the year last year. Either he definitely finished as a, a top okay. ten back last year. All right. Um, I don't know what your guys' rankings are and stuff. So that's true. Um, I I was noticing this last year, and I was I wanted to include a stat with this just because I was watching this guy last year, and I was like, I was actually very impressed because he's not a guy that you look as as a receiving back. Hmm. I'm going blank. Yeah, I mean, this is crazy. So, do you guys want me to just say it then? Yeah, go ahead. Sure. With 76 receptions, which comes in fourth in the National Football League, Leonard Fournette. Oh, I was going to say Leonard wow. Fournette. He was killing it from a reception really? standpoint last year. Wow, it is eye-opening. And that Jaguars can, hate him. I don't know. <laughs> 
but that concludes my trivia portion. All right. Well, thank you. That was very good questions. We're going to end the episode on one more. It's uh, going to be a little throwback question. This question, I believe, will be difficult, but I have faith in you to at least get a couple. little throwback. Name the top five running backs in the fantasy football season of 2015. And this is PPR, correct? Yes. Do you want to go first, your first guess? My, I have – yeah. my Both of my first two guests – actually, I'll guess a safer pick. I'm going to guess with my first pick, AP. I'm going to say Devontae Freeman. Ah, Devontae Freeman is most certainly in it. Well, I will say you guys got the two that I thought you would. Devonta Freeman finished one. Adrian Peterson finished two. Now, I will be shocked. I'm actually very impressed already. I will be shocked if you guys can name any of the other three. So now I, I think I was thinking of year 2016. I was going to guess Gurley and David Johnson, but they I don't believe. I was going to say Marshawn Lynch. Ooh. Marshawn Lynch is not, and I believe in 2015, which was Gurley's rookie year. He was? I believe he finished 11th. Oh. Mm. Um, 2015. Simpler times. <laughs> Man, when I say who's number three on the list, whew, never in a million years would I have guessed. But are any, of the, it, are any of the three guys left still in the league? Can I ask that? Or do you know what I I don't believe any of these three are rostered. I do not believe Ooh, that. Really? I don't so believe so. You're, so Le'Veon Bell's not on this list? No. Wow. Wow. He went Le'Veon Memphis. Bell finished one in 2017. Mm-hmm. Oh. Or, no. Yeah, see, they finished one or two in 2017, him or Gurley. So, yes, yeah, Le'Veon Bell's not, not on None this of these list. three are rostered. I don't believe they are. I want to guess LaShawn McCoy, but I feel like he was hurt one of the, that year or something like that. So, I I feel like it's not LaShawn. I'm going to say Eddie Lacy. <gasps> It's not Eddie Lacy. That was a good guess, though. I don't know around when he was on a tear, but that was a really good guess. Big boy Eddie Lacy. Um, giant boy Eddie Lacy. <laughs> 2015, not rostered. Um, what about Jamal Charles? <gasps> Jamal Charles is on the list. Jamal Charles is not on the list. <gasps> Did he get hurt that year? Though? I'm not positive he's not on the list. I think he had to have got hurt that year because that no, no, that was a tremendous guess. Mm. Hey man, I'm, I'm running out. Uh, uh, damn, I know him. Maybe I could give you the team. I was about to say, t- tell us the teams. Let me look it up to make sure. I'm trying to think of a Pats running back because I feel like uh, 2015 maybe. No, maybe just one of their plug-in guys like Rex Burkett or something. Just say, even when James White was killing it, I don't think James White cracked the top five. One of the guys, wow, I do remember this now very well. One of the guys, the number four running back that year, was a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2015. Oh, my God. Wait, was it really um, – I uh, can't think of his name. Shit. Uh, Williams. Was it Williams? It was D'Angelo Williams. Wow. Oh, I forgot about him. I remember I had him on my fantasy team one yeah, of those years. Okay. Wow, that's I'm I was so shocked. Yeah. Do you guys want more hints? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah, tell us the other. twenty the fifth running back, I believe, was on Tampa Bay. 
Doug. No, yeah, Doug Martin. Doug Martin, Doug Martin yeah. finished fifth. Now, the third running back that year was the most surprising to me. And you have any last guesses before I give you a hint, which I think you'll get it with the hint, and you'll be like, wow. I'm, like, totally blanking just because it's totally, like, I don't know. Talk I, about a one-year stud. One, one and done. Stud, one and done. <sighs> was it DeMarco, or was that too early? It was not DeMarco. Although, he, DeMarco had two DeMarco years. had multiple years. Trent Richardson? I believe this guy only had one really huh? I believe this guy only had one really solid year. Great year, actually. Phenomenal year. If he's finishing three. I don't go ahead and give us a hint. Yeah, I guess give us a hint then. He was the running back for the Los Angeles Chargers. Dude, that that didn't help me at all, actually. I can't think of anything pre-Melvin. I'm struggling to even figure out. Like, I can't even – like, I'm totally blanking on who came before Melvin. I know. It was like LG. All I'm thinking is, all I'm thinking is yeah. Danny Woodhead. Oh, yeah. Is it Danny, Danny Woodhead? Danny Woodhead? finished the three running back Are you in 2015. What? Danny Woodhead. I forgot about him. He was – What? I remember that year. He had it's that. funny because when, when he's proposed the Los Angeles Chargers, I thought Danny Woodhead, but I'm like, okay, who was Danny Woodhead behind? I know. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Wow. He must have had like 80-plus receptions. Yeah, something like that. Wow. I'm about to look up that now just because I'm, I'm so amazed at Danny Woodhead. But that also just shows how much Phillip likes to throw to his running backs. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you for listening. This was our running backs episode. Next episode will be our running – excuse me, wide receiver episode. I'm very excited. That is going to be my favorite one. Uh, thank you. Tell a friend. Stay tuned. Thank you. Goodbye. See Jacob. you later.